0: and definitely check out those shows as well. Katie Hafner is the author of The Boys, a novel. Katie is a journalist and author who writes frequently for the New York Times and the Washington Post. She is also the host and co-executive producer of the popular podcast Lost Women of Science. She is the author of six nonfiction books, including Mother, Daughter, Me, a memoir, A Romance on Three Legs, Glenn Gould's Obsessive Quest for the Perfect Piano, and Where Wizards Stay Up Late, The Origins of the Internet with Matthew Lyon. And that's it. I mean, not that's it, but those are the books. The Boys is her first novel. She lives in San Francisco with her husband, Bob Wachter, and their miniature poodle, Newman. Welcome, Katie. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Boys and your career and your other books and everything else.
2: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) So why don't we start, well, first tell listeners what your book is about. So we have a frame <laughs> of reference.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is always the, like, what is your book about? Yeah, sorry. So it's, so it's, first of all, it's my first novel. I know,
0: congratulations.
2: Yeah, I'm a journalist. I like to say I'm a journalist who just kind of got an idea for fiction and ran with it. And before I knew it, I had a book. And it's about it's it's what I've come to understand is called re- the the relationship genre. And in fact, you could narrow it down to the troubled relationship genre. And it's really about the challenges of relationships, particularly between people who are opposites, and particularly during a pandemic, even though the pandemic is more of the backdrop and not definitely not the centerpiece of. Of, of the story. And then it's about adding children to the mix and ch- how children are often intended to lubricate the rough edges of a r- relationship. They can also serve to be one more source of friction. And so in, it's that kind of writ small in this relationship between my two main characters.
0: So one of your characters has two brothers right doesn't isn't that what it is that two brothers come and they become their like foster children
2: yeah one of the characters actually they should be the brothers but they're uh, they end up it's the, the main character is named Ethan he's completely he's very socially awkward but in a very endearing kind of way and he falls in love with this woman named Barb and they get married and they're really opposite she's very gregarious she's very outgoing and he uh gets very worried about having kids and because for reasons I won't go into, but he's totally neurotic about it. And she talks him into it. They can't have kids. So they adopt. Well, first they, they take in these foster kids and that's the kids who that's who the boys are. It's these two kids. Imagine taking in these foster kids from Russia
0: I know I thought about that by the way, with from Ukraine. I was like, I could just take a few Ukrainians and
2: yeah, a couple kids from Russia. They don't speak any English. And right, yeah. Anyway, then the pandemic comes and he gets like kind of overly attached to these boys. And it drives, and that's when kind of tragedy sets in and it drives her away. Barb, who you don't really know what to make of her in the first half of the book, and then after she leaves, he takes the boys on this bike trip to Italy. You know those upscale bike trips? Yeah, where they take everything. I mean, I've seen pictures. <laughs> uh, they take all your luggage and everything. So he takes the boys on this bike trip to Italy, and then that's where the there's a twist, and that's where the this reveal comes in. And that's what, I think it's what's getting the book some early attention, is like, how did she pull off this reveal? I didn't know how I'd do it when I started, but I kind of figured it out. And the reveal comes pretty late. I mean, it comes in the last third of the book, and then you then you see the rest of the story. Through Have you seen the movie The Sixth Sense or Get Out? No. Oh, that's right. You have four kids, so <laughs> moms don't have time to watch movies. So, so there's this. It's a The Sixth Sense is this very famous movie where you don't learn until the last minute of the film what was going on for the you know the first hour and fifty nine minutes. And this is a little bit like that because you want to go back in The Sixth Sense. You want to go back and look for the clues. Same with the movie Get Out. So that's what this is. It's a little sneaky.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. You've written narrative nonfiction books, memoir, everything. What was it about this? Which part of this is it converted you to becoming a novelist?
2: So the the way I got the idea was that my daughter and I, who's now in her twenties, we we were on one of these bike trips, and something happened one night. Someone said something, and I can't tell you what it is because that would give it away. Okay. And my daughter turned to me and she said, "Mom, that's a novel."
0: Ooh. (laughs) And,
2: And. I had, I'd written maybe one short story in my life that never got published. It was like in college. And I said, you're right. And so, you know how most people would say, you're right. You know, maybe Ann Patchett would write something like that or, you know, and I thought, well, why don't I try it? And I just, Sibby, I just, my imagination went a little crazy because it's the kind of story, you'd hear this story and you'd think, what could possibly have been going on to create this situation. And so that's, I just thought, you know, why not? I mean, I've been a journalist for a very long time. Most of that time with the New York Times, kind of tyrannized by facts, you know, getting stuff right. You wake up in the middle of the night and you think, oh my gosh, did that name Carol have an E at the end? You know, and then you, are we going to have to run a correction? I've had to run some really embarrassing corrections and you just hate it. It's the corrections are just so frightening. And I thought, okay, well, in fiction, it's like, how old is she? Well, I don't know how old do you think she should be, <laughs> right? So it's very different because I've written six previous books of nonfiction and everything has to be correct, correct? However, I can say that my life as a reporter has informed this book to no end. Like for a while, I've been writing about older adults and loneliness, which is a huge problem among older adults, especially those who live alone. And I just ran with it in this book. And I made one of the main characters, a psychologist who studies the phenomenon of loneliness among older adults. And it's something I did a big story for the times about it a few years ago and decided to turn that into part of the book. So I think that a lifetime of reporting helps a lot because it grounds, you know, I think that a reporter, it, that there, it's very perilous to try to write fiction if you're a journalist, because it's like, oh, you know, it's like, so liberating. It can, People, a lot of journalists kind of go off the deep end. Do you know what I mean? Like there's this famous New York Times reporter who shall remain unnamed, who, wrote, who years and years and years ago wrote this incredibly raunchy book. I mean, the first pages are like, ooh, and you, I mean, you don't even want to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> like it needs like this, you know, schlubby little guy <laughs> in this room. And you're like, whoa. <laughs>
0: it is uh it is troublesome to see inside some people's imagination and have it
2: not oh my gosh yeah like get me out of here but the i think he's a prime example of someone who who was too unrestrained by the fiction so fiction can be for journalists both liberating and paralyzing because anything can happen i mean you can go anywhere with the story So. I needed to kind of know what was going to happen so that I wouldn't go too crazy. So that was an interesting, an interesting exercise.
0: Wow. And how long did that whole process take you?
2: About three years. You know, I thought it would be easy because it's like, oh, you just make it up. And versus nonfiction, where it's like you're reporting and you're traveling and you're in archives and you're interviewing a hundred people and for very, very different reasons. You know, there's continuity and there's the plot and there's the seeding of the story. Well, you know the whole thing, you know, you have to... And then I had to drop the clues, at the beginning of the book, and then I had to wrap it up plausibly in the latter half of the book. And I had to have make sure that the reader didn't lose faith because there's so much of a leap of imagination the reader is then asked to take. So it went through a lot of drafts. And then when Cindy Spiegel in her reincarnated Spiegel and Grau, she read it. And she said that when she read the reveal, she just started to laugh. She just said, what? (laughs) So that's why she wanted the book, which isn't to say it didn't need like a total overhaul, which it did and it got. And thanks to her, she's a genius. I mean, she just gets it. She understands fiction and she understands story and she understands characters. And I think that one thing that I didn't have a problem with was dialogue because I'm a reporter, so I'm quoting people all the time. So I know what actual real people have said. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Wow. I know. (laughs) So. It's been a journey. <laughs> no, it's amazing.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: dot com slash moms don't have time <laughs> and speak Lang grow is another is a publisher that just launched last year their first books right and right how did you decide like what made you decide to go with them
2: so i had been at it was then random house now penguin random house and it's so easy to get lost in like the machine the random house machine And I just, and I'd been at Simon & Schuster, and I'd been at Scribner, and then at Bloomsbury, and I just thought, I just want to go with a really small house. I just, I was thinking, like, just a very, a literary house. I just didn't want to do that again with the big people, and they've gotten even bigger, right? They've consolidated even more, and they just, they have their stars, and I just wanted to be, and also, I had, in fact, Cindy and Julie, Cindy Spiegel and Julie Grau, had been. They had wanted this memoir that I wrote, "Mother Daughter Me," that Susan Camel at Penguin Random House then bought. And they said to me later that they always considered me the fish that got away, Mm -hmm. which is nice to hear. And so when the the boys came to Cindy's attention, she just she wanted it. She she took it. So knowing it needed like a total overhaul.
0: (laughs) Wow. Can you tell me more? I have to go back now and read your memoir. Tell me more about your memoir.
2: Well, the memoir and, you know, I would, I would counsel people to think very hard before embarking on a memoir. The memoir was really a tough one to write. It was about my mother. It was about three generations of women under one roof. So my mother and my daughter who was a teenager at the time and me that's why it's called mother daughter me living we we brought my mother to live with us in San Francisco i was a single mom my husband had died mm-hmm. it was we were my daughter and i were like the walking wounded and i thought it would be this wonderful thing it was t- such wishful think it was like a total fairy tale like oh we'll all live together and it'll be our year in Provence and (laughs) year in purgatory and then pure hell and then it didn't go well partly because my mother didn't raise me so you build up this fantasy of the mother you think you have Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the mother I actually have which isn't to say she's in any way a bad person she just it, I had superimposed my fantasy on who she would be living with me, and I think my daughter did the same thing. you know, we yearned for family. we had lost her dad. it was an unmitigated catastrophe, and so she ended up moving out and it's it's very upsetting and she was very, very upset by the book and does and doesn't speak to me so really, yeah, and she kept the. Lawyers at Random House very very busy for quite a while, so that's why I'm saying to people, um, "Yeah, I know, I know." So, no wonder I wanted to write fiction, right? Oh, plus, I want—I had so many kind of dodgy characters in my own life. I had a super terrible childhood where we, my sister and I were taken away from our mother when we were very little, and I was in the step family from hell, and it was terrible, oh, no. and. So I thought, well, there were so many dodgy characters in my life. I was going to write a novel and tell me what you think of this, where everyone is a good person at their core. And I think that what a lot of people say is that goodness writes white, i.e. bland. And I just thought, you know what? Let the other people write the dark books. What, What do you think? Do you like edgy stuff?
0: I think everybody being nice and good. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Not everybody has to be malicious. As long as there's some sort of conflict. There's a (laughs) conflict.
2: Right? Well, there's a conflict between these really good people. And you think the reader is misled into thinking that Barb, the wife, is like nasty. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of get it. I know.
0: (laughs) She's really good. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like my husband only wanted to hear good news for a while, you know?
2: Like oh, a, uh, same, same. I've started subscribing to Nice News. Mm-hmm. Do you know that? Yeah.
0: yeah. I just had on a podcast, it's not called Nice News, but it's similar. Anyway, I'm blanking on the name. Good News Nation, maybe? Anyway, Something it's, all, about that, it's yeah. all posting about good news. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like that. I we need a little Yeah, <laughs> I know. In our life, So
2: if people want to go live in Ethan and Barb's world for, you know... It's a quick read, like a couple days, then why not? And then we can worry about the fact that nobody can get an abortion anymore. Yeah, exactly. I got
0: yeah. it. I,
2: know. I know.
0: Wait, can I ask how your husband died? You don't have to answer.
2: He died. So we had met when we were growing up in Western Massachusetts. Our fathers started a college in Amherst, Massachusetts together, Hampshire College. And um, so we met when I was 10 and he was 11 and... You know, we were together on and off through high school. And then he came and kind of found me when I was older and we got married and we had our daughter. And when he was 45, perfect health, perfect health, perfect. He just had a physical, he had perfect blood pressure, perfect cholesterol, ran five miles a day, played a lot of tennis, and was on a treadmill. I mean, classic story when he was 45 and our daughter was eight. And yeah. So,
0: and he had a heart attack.
2: He had a heart attack. Mm. I know, but
0: like I'm um, 45 and I have an eight year old. This is like terrible. This is the worst. I mean, you know, it's terrible. I mean, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I can't even, I mean, it's terrible. It's really terrible. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's been a while, and he, I often think, I mean, just I think it's the fact that he can't see her. Just have she has blossomed unbelievably. She just got her MD and is starting her residency, and she's a star and she's beautiful and she looks abs 100% like him. She is him, and in so many ways. So, and he and I have named her after someone we went to high school with in Amherst. So, I know it's uh. I mean, we have moved on. I'm remarried to someone who I adore, and he read my novel. This person I'm married to now must have read it, I don't know, 20 times. Oh. I know. (laughs) He doesn't even read. (laughs) (laughs) How many books have you read in the last year? Oh, 20. Well, it was the same one, and it was a manuscript, 20. (laughs) It was all different each time, a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: really funny. It is very funny. Where, where do you Where do you live? Where did so
2: two- we We live in San Francisco, but I'm talking to you now from New Hampshire because we have a house, a summer house in New Hampshire, and so we're here now. But he has a job that is not very mobile, so he has to go home tomorrow and go back to work. And so, but he helped me bring the dog out, and, and he is at the same. He's at UCSF, which is a really great medical school. And he's chair of medicine there. And he's so proud of her, of my daughter. So I know, I know, I know. So Oh
0: my goodness. Well, after all of your whole writing career and everything you've gone through, and is there anything you wish you'd done differently? Or do you feel like it was meant to be that now the novel is coming out?
2: Well, you know, my stepsister, who I'm still very close to, she just read it. And she said, I should read it to you. She said, she's great. She has a wonderful critical eye. She used to be the literary director of the Actors Theater of Louisville. And she said, you have a novelist sensibility, my dear. Plot is your new best friend. And I know, isn't that nice? So thank you, Julie, for saying that. And She pointed out a few inconsistencies, which I (laughs) won't dwell on here. Uh, I said, "Yeah, I kind of knew about that, but I was just so tired." (laughs) (laughs) That's really that's funny. So I don't regret. I think. I mean, maybe I'm gilding the lily here, but I think I needed to wait all these years to write a novel, just because I needed that store of knowledge and wisdom. And I think I would have written like Kafka-like dark stuff Mm -hmm. in my younger years and now uh, it's like why do that yeah so let other as i've said like let
0: all those other people be dark (laughs) we're sticking with the good (laughs) yeah (laughs) amazing well katie thank you so much this has been really fun i think you should put plot is your new best friend up on the fridge or something like that (laughs) i
2: just love that Okay, thanks, Ivy, and c- congratulations. <laughs> Thank on, you. And is, is your book called Bookends? It is. What's the subtitle? I can't read that
0: there. The of Love, Loss, and Literature. Oh, wow. I talk about oh, all the other books I've read along the way through the oh. of my own life. So I'll send you a oh, copy if you want. I'm trying to send it to all the guests the podcast. So,
2: yeah, please do. That's great. It's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank
0: you. Thank you. All righty. You too. Okay. <laughs>